Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog podcast. I am joined tonight over Zoom by my good mate and co-host, Panos. What's going on, man? Not much, my brother. How are you? Good. Back from my honeymoon, two weeks in Thailand. Um, can't complain. Good, <laughs> it was really good. Hot so weather. Good, man. I was talking to someone today and they said, how, how was it? I said, the weather was hot and the food was good. That's all I need. Bro, I'm very jealous and very happy for you guys. Thank you. Amazing. So back to it, back to back to dogs, back to life, back to everything. Back on the daily grind. That's it. Well, kind of, I guess, is fitting for the episode for today. You know, everything has a cost. You know, you want to go on your your honeymoon or a holiday or any time away. And as you said, a holiday is only because we work and because we do things. So, because my question was, would you have those holiday blues? Yeah. You know, um, or post holiday blues coming back, you're like, oh, feel a bit depressed. I want to go back on a on another holiday, but um. Mm. But a holiday is only a holiday, yeah, because it contrasts to your daily working life, right? Otherwise, it's just, it's not a, what are you holidaying from then? Well, it sounds like you had enough time to be able to recharge, enjoy it and be cool to come back. Maybe if it was only a week, you're like, man, I wasn't. Nah, if I'm going to, if I'm going to leave the country, it's got to be two weeks. Minimum. I agree. Yeah. Well. Let's get right into it. So I think it's a pretty interesting one today. You know, everything has a cost and the sacrifices to be made in our dog training. And it's going to come on from two different perspectives, from what our what we need to sacrifice within our dog's behavior when it comes to acquiring desirable behavior that you're looking for, or the sacrifices we need to make so that our life with our dog is the best that it can be. So what triggered all of this was when I, um, when I trained with Nookie, and I reward her with the ball, her arousal levels go so high when I go to reward her. So like, for example, if I tell her the middle around, bang, I throw the ball. She doesn't bark when I've marked it or once I've thrown it, but once the ball is kind of bounced and she's like in the chase for it, she bah, 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 and then she catches it. Like she's a little psycho. And, um, and it's all right. Like, to be honest, it actually doesn't bother me most of the time the only time it really is annoying is at a night time when we're mostly walking and i throw the ball for out she late at night in the neighborhood or whatever yeah all the dogs are barking and people can see that it like you know we're there and it's just not not what i like if i'm going to be at night time in a park it'd be nice that we can just do our thing and not everyone has to look at a little yeah. dog barking anyway so for me to stop her from barking in the moment of while she's in the chase for the ball, the sacrifice would mean if I was a straight up, just correct the the bark, she may not know that it's the bark and she may think that it's her chasing the ball. And then we can start to then break down. Well, if I correct her and look, and certainly there's times where I'm just like, Hey, shut up. And there's times actually where I will mark chili and throw the ball and just out of excitement, she'll bark. And then I'll correct her for that. That's a good opportunity for me to correct it. However, I can correct her for, let's say, maybe four times in a row in a perfect situation where I'm willing to correct her for the bark. She may not do it for like 
three weeks, but then it kind of comes back again. It's nothing that I think it's something that's just deeply entrenched with, entrenched within her genetics and her her the way that she expresses that drive. Is that the same as a superstitious behavior, or is it is it different? Look, it could be, but it's not that she barked for me to mark it. Mm. It's not like I told She's her to do something. She's not barking in anticipation of the reward. Exactly. And mm. if it was that, then it would be different. So, well, well, anticipation of the marker, right? She yeah. already marked it at that point and she's, she's on her way to get it. For sure. Or if, if I was to tell her to, like, for example, if she, if she did something at the same time I marked it, and there's heaps of times where, for example, chili. So if I, and I didn't create a superstitious behavior from this, but let's just say when I tell him to go around me, I'll say around, he'll run around. And there's a couple of times where I've assumed he's gone behind me and I'll mark it and he's just on my right-hand side. So anyway, this isn't really a superstitious behavior because this is just me, bad timing of markers, where if I was to tell him to go around, he'll just stop him behind me on my right-hand side. That's where he'll think, well, I have to do this now. But maybe a superstitious behavior would be if I continue to teach him, no, no, go around. And then he learned that, no, I have to kind of run around and stop every second time to go again. And then he may think, I, it's necessary for me to do this link in the chain and it could be hard to get rid of that superstitious behavior. You know, Pat Shiva talks about it um, on the canine paradigm and when we were at the seminar where when he told his dog to stand, the dog would bark at the same time he would stand, he'd marked it and then and rewarded it. So now the dog would always bark every time he stood and then to stop that behavior. You thought that was part of the chain, yeah. Exactly. So it can get difficult. So this isn't really a superstitious behavior because – it's already once I've marked it and her drive towards that ball is wah, 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 and she catches it. So it could be even more tougher maybe to kind of correct that because, um, and there's been certainly times, obviously I'm a human being and I get frustrated. I'm like, Oh, shut up. And she's like, Oh, and then she'll start playing with the ball. And I'm like, well, that's just not really desirable. So I'm not willing to sacrifice really stopping the barking for the ball because I can manage it by just not throwing it as intense. If I, if I throw it in a certain way, it creates more of a bounce and the ball is pretty small and she's pretty small. So it creates more of a fuss when she's trying to go for it. Where if I, the delivery of the reward actually dictates whether or not she will bark in that way. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. Or if I've got the chuck it for, for chili, but he's got an ordinary size tennis ball and hers is like micro. So I can't really pick it up and throw it like a chucker, but I can flick it. If I flick it in a way where it bounces and it goes really fast and it kind of has got a bit of a spin on it, she gets more frustrated. It's probably a frustration as well mm. where she's like, I want it so bad right now, but give it to me. Yeah. There's so much stuff going on in that moment. So if I just like lopped it, like if I marked it and then she went a bit and then I threw it like, then it, it wouldn't create if it was already still when she gets to it. So, yeah, there's delivery where I can work on it. And sometimes I don't care. I just get it. If she hasn't exercised as much in the last couple of days, for example, maybe there's more of it there where if it's happening more regularly, maybe less. So there's all these different things that you got to weigh up. And, and this could be applicable in your own situation if you can kind of cross, cross-section it and think, well, where does this happen within my dog's life? Um, I want my dog to bark when people come into the property because I live on my own, but I don't want my dog to bark excessively. Well, I don't even want my dog to bark when my visitors come over. It's like, well, which one do you want? You know? Um, and does my- the dog understand the difference? That's the key question. Exactly. Because the, the biggest question. I would guess he probably doesn't. And he may not understand the difference between 
those two scenarios, which is a problem if you're trying to show him that there is a difference between those two scenarios. When the remedy would be, I want, in, in this barking example, he barks when people are coming, but then when I say that's enough, then that's enough, and we yeah. stop barking. That's and then that typically would be a how I do it with it. Shadow. Like he, he'll bark at certain things, particularly the yard. He guards the yard, right? So if mm-hmm. the neighbors like trimming the trees or whatever, he doesn't really like that, or birds and stuff like that. But like, I'll let him bark for ten seconds, whatever. And if it gets, usually he'll stop. But if it keeps going, I can turn it off. But exactly. it's not like it's not like I never want him to bark full stop, you know. But I can switch it off. But he, but if you needed to him, so then that's where some people say, I like it when you bark when people come into the property because it worked once when we almost got burgled or some shit. And then we say, but then his excessive barking every time someone walks past the house is too much. I'm like, well, the sacrifice would be he doesn't bark and notify you when people come and just get sensor lights and security cameras. And then, and then we stop him barking totally at any stimulus and we can work towards that. You know, but um, but not all the time is that even appropriate or even necessary in our dog. It may even screw our dogs up by correcting them every 25 seconds because someone walking past your house. Not that we, again, every specific situation is going to be different because some dogs are just naturally going to te- be territorial over the yard. And if you really want that and you desire that, then you have to know that there's sacrifice to be made in other areas within our lifestyle and our expectations. And, of course, management of the dog as well. So, um. Something I wrote here, let's see if, if this makes sense. To shape behaviours, you must risk sacrificing something else. Exactly that, is that we're, we're trying to shape behaviours constantly, trying to make things work for us, but our dogs are trying to do something to better their situation so they can get the most out of a situation. So how is it that we can condition them and make them understand that if you do one thing, another thing will happen? And then within that, we have to think about the same thing. Everything has a cost. You can't. So another thing here I've, I've written is that high drives usually are the ones with great potential to do impressive things, but they may not be the best couch potato. So you may need to do lots of training, lots of exercise and lots of management to make that a, a, a situation that you can probably get within the, the near future mm-hmm. rather than having the, you know, the, the eight month old, you know, working dog um, breed and expecting him to just kick back in the house and have nothing else to do, you know? So I've noticed like with Shadow, you know, he's 19, yeah, 19 months old now, right? 18, 19 months. Um, I mean, he's lying out there right now, like like a couch potato. He's probably asleep, right? Okay. And he'll he's quite happy to do that for hours and hours. But mm-hmm. that's because I give him that release every day without fail, usually twice a day. I give him that concentrated window where I show him you can express these behaviors. And in fact, I will ask them of him, right. To, you know, whether that's chasing or obedience or whatever it is, a mix of both, right. To give him those behaviors that he wants to perform as, you know, as a Kelpie slash border collie. Right. And I give him that window in which he can express that drive, you know, outside the house at the park or whatever he knows in the house, there's a different set of rules and because I've given him that fulfillment, he is, yeah, like you could, if, I had, a, if I had a video of him right now, he's probably snoring on the couch, right? He's not running around like a maniac because, well, for one, we show him that like inside is a different picture and we've been very yep. strict about that since day one. But like, I'd, I wouldn't expect that of him if I, if I wasn't also giving him that outlet on a regular basis, knowing the, the breed that he is and those requirements. 
and the sacrifice for that would be all the things that you must do. And you and you came into it, and lucky for you, came in coming into it, you know, getting shadow with all of that in mind. So everything you did set yourself up towards that, and you created management plans for that to become yep. the thing. And look at the sacrifice that is. The sacrifice seems like so much, and for some people, it seems like super unnecessary. But then the same individual will comment on, oh my God, look how calm your dog is, but look how cool he can do all these things. Oh my mm. God, I want that. And it's like, but- But are you willing to make the sacrifices and pay the price exactly. to get to that point? Now I'll be, I won't lie. There's days where I'm like, yeah, he can be a lot of dogs sometimes, right? With his energy levels. And like sure. some days when I'm feeling lazy and the weather's crap and whatever, maybe there's a part of me that's like, be cool if I just had like a, you know, couch potato dog, mm -hmm. who's a couch potato all the time based on the breed or whatever. Right. But then there's no, there's not, but then the cost of that, dogs. I know, you know what I mean? Like a yeah, lower drive 100%, dog, totally, right? for sure. But then the cost of that would be that I don't get to do all the cool stuff that I get to do with shadow and enjoy the fact that he is such a high drive mm -hmm. dog and he loves to work with me and listen to, you know, he craves that direction. Yep. And so you have to take the good with the bad. Exactly. I wouldn't even call it the bad, right? It's well, just bad. you have to take the whole the whole picture. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's it's really interesting because the sacrifice that our time and energy we have with our dog comes back to us, but it comes back that cost comes back later. It's an investment. You know, I was thinking about it because I'm not a very good salesman, I guess, but a real salesy thing to say to somebody in terms of dog training is like, this is an insurance policy. This is something that you put into the effort now because you'll reap the benefits later. And that's a way to see it. Obviously there's many other ways to see what dog training is. And most people, the, look, if I have to say that to somebody, I really don't want them as a client because they're not <laughs> going to be, um, you know, what, what I want them. To, I want somebody who, like, who wants me to want to help them. It's yeah. like, yes, you're the best person. I'll give you some stuff. And then you just lap it up. So, um, but if I had to tell a friend or tell a family member and you that listening, maybe you need to, you know, think about this when you're trying to even engage your services, your dog trainer or tell a friend that, Hey, you know, like think about it, put the energy and effort in now. And especially if your dog listens and is well obedient and people look at your dog, like feeling happy about being in the presence of your dog, then, then this has merit when you can say, put that energy and effort in now because it will come back to you. It is that investment. You know, I went to a survival course and they, um, and he explained that this is better than having an insurance policy because in a way of it paying forward is that if you were ever stuck, if you were camping or an outdoorsman and something minor or major happened and you had something and most, well, the thing that I took most from the survival course is not how to survive within the moment if you're stuck. It's what to take and what to prepare and a mindset to have before entering the bush, before doing these things. What what have you got so that if your wheel did get um, punctured and you're stuck in the middle of nowhere for 24 hours, what are you going to do to signal help and you got no reception, you know? And and if you're not prepared, then 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 everything goes to shit. So same thing with dog training. The things that you learned and prepared yourself before getting a dog helped it immensely. And not everyone's going to go as deep down the rabbit hole as you have. But if you're as awesome as listening to our episode, then at least, you know, these are the things that it's it's the experience. It's all the sacrifice that I make. Like, for example, I made the sacrifice of having a big fence or like, you know, like not a big fence, a long fence, a pool fence halfway along my yard. Now, 
you know, um, as I discussed many episodes ago with Chile and his bloody digging and on the days off. So today and yesterday were days off. So these are typically the days where you get a hole, an, the odd hole or two. And again, the most annoying thing about his holes are the right, right close to the patio where everything just gets demolished with dirt. He doesn't even do it in the back section where no one cares about. <laughs> so the sacrifice last week was, hey, buddy, you need to sleep out the back there. And I chucked him out the back section, locked the gate, and that's where he slept for the couple of nights. Um, he actually, fun enough, hasn't done a hole since I put him back there. I wake up in the morning. Last night, I didn't close the, the fence, so he had access to the whole backyard. And him and Spades were sit, sleeping in the back kennel because I put a blanket out there and made it, made it nice and cozy. But the sacrifice, and it was a sacrifice for me because I put Spades at the back there with Chili, and I felt that that was slack emotionally for Spades to be excluded at the back there. But at the end of the day, that was it's really emotional. I think he was happy to sleep at the back there, and he sleeps there most of the night anyway. But just restricting him the access again, that was like kind of the human mind. He's like, oh, I feel bad. He's going to feel this. He's going to feel that. But it actually has worked out. And the sacrifice, I guess, if I'm going to try to find a sacrifice within this moment was getting over my own emotional sort of feelings towards it. Because it was heaps of nights where I, I didn't want to start putting him in the back because I thought I'll give him another chance. I'll give him another chance. But now working with everything I do and, again, saving the boxes, you know, getting the, 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 the random soccer balls and all the other stuff for him to destroy, consistently working on ticking all of the boxes, even on a day where he hasn't had as, as much stimulation, like basically being with me from nine till six the whole entire day. Um, got to try to fill that in within the day. Like today I didn't have to do much and he's actually pretty chill. We went for our walk already and we did our training. So just chilly being off, chill. Chilly being chill. But look, the sacrifice is, as you said before, going for the walk. Yeah, I was busy doing things on my day off and I had to go for the walk, but it's a mindset. I went for that walk to break my day up. My dogs got what they needed. I was out with my son. It was good. Went to the playground. We did our thing. Everyone got what they needed. I come back refreshed, rejuvenated. If you're, if you're putting the time in and that sacrifice in, your walks become something that you get back rather than coming back depleted. And I think that's, isn't that what everyone wants from their dog? Is that, you know, you want your dog to be giving back to you. Um, but it is, um, it's, it's an equation, right? You know, um, and how many people? How many people I've seen? Even the other day, I was I was almost convincing them to to do the things, and I'm like, why am I even here? It, like, it makes it's really frustrating that hey, I really want this stuff, but I know you said this stuff, and I didn't do those things, and it's just it, it, I guess it's just a dog trainer's g- general complaints, right? Well, let's um, break that down. It's like they say, <clears throat> someone says they want something, and then you tell them what's required to get to the thing that they've told you that they wanted mm-hmm. and then they don't do it or yep. they're not willing to or whatever. Yep. So did they really want it or did they just like the idea of getting to that point? Well, like, so when I, so the hardest and we've established before is when you train like, you know, friends or friends, parents and things like that, because, you know, we know each other on a complete different dynamic. And I'm also, you know, your dog trainer. So just the other day, I went, I was going to my parents' house and a friend who we were neighbors growing up, I trained his mum's Doberman. And we did all the training. We did all the stuff. She knew what to do. She was doing well. But now it's been like 18 months since training. And I saw her with her dog. And the 
big, huge Doberman on the harness, pulling around like, you know, oh my God, the dog's humming. She had to go and like walk down the driveway. She knew all the things that she had to do. And she's, and anyway, and she said something when I was getting out of the car, I made no comment. It just is what it is. And it wasn't even extreme, but she didn't have the most effective control over a, over a dog. And um, she, and she's like, oh, you know, she still, um, she still misbehaves or something like that. And maybe I'm straight up with it because we've known each other for like 20 years, but I'm like, oh, well, it is your fault. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting out of the car (laughs) and she's like, oh, and I think maybe, maybe it seemed rude. It was kind of like a joke, Um, like a half joke. It was like a half truth, you know, like, oh, you know, like it is all your fault, which actually it's kind of completely 100% true. But me saying it to her wasn't like, the reason why she said that is because I've helped her train her dog. So the best, for her the best to way comment, to let let yeah. ideas unravel in people's hands very quickly is to ask them questions, right? Yeah. She still misbehaves. Okay. Well, what do you think's caused that? And just let her. Oh no! Her, this is there was. I didn't want didn't want any conversation. I know that, but like, yeah. if you wanted <laughs> to let her dig her own grave, oh, interesting. Like, what do you think's caused that? <laughs> and then you just wait, right? It totally. I appreciate that. Look, when there's, it's, that was a day and where I think there was like three or four different people that were like, you know, when you bump into your clients and these conversations aren't like a 23 second interaction. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, 23 minute interaction. So, to try to keep it brief. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it was only like a passing joke, like, oh, it was your foot. But I think also in saying that it's like, well, and again, you know, like beat, you know, beating a dead horse is that you, you you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, all that sort of stuff. But why hasn't it? Why is the need? This is the I guess this is the real point. Why is there a need to say she's still misbehaving when it's clear that she's misbehaving? And it's because she clear, knows what you're thinking, and she's trying yeah, to address that. It, address Even though it, you yes. didn't say anything, and you probably wouldn't have. No, she's embarrassed. Potentially, probably. There's my guess. Yes. Um, based on the behavior so. of the dog and based on the fact that she probably hasn't done anything you told her to do in the last eight months. Look at her dog. That's nice. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. But For like sure. if she, the fact that she mentioned it in that way, probably exactly. my guess is that she felt embarrassed and she yeah. wanted to address that. But then I guess this is the point. And if you listen to it and you're this person, if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that was me the other day, you know, in, in, a, in a very similar situation, I would say what don't outwardly complain about it just for your own good. I don't think it's good to like, to say that, yeah, she's still misbehaving. Like, like she's misbehaving. It's like, no, you know, I'm misbehaving because I'm made these choices and this is the result of my choices, i.e. dog's behavior, you know? So it's like, don't say she's misbehaving because she's just behaving. <laughs> she's just doing what she does. And again, she's not aggressive. She's not completely out of control, but she's on a harness pulling, you know, a lady who's, you know. Um, Smaller, yeah. Well, like, you know, she's, she's no spring chicken either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. And and again, there's no hate. I, I, I love I love, I love, her. She's awesome. And I love her dog. Her dog's cool too. It's just. If it was enough know. of a problem, she would do something about it. Totally. We've right. done, we, we've done, we've done stuff together. And again, that's what I mean though. Like if the current picture of whatever's going on there, it, by definition, if that was enough of an issue for her, 
that it caught, you know what I mean? That it, she could no longer put up with it, then she would do something about it. So she's exactly. probably decided I can't be bothered or I'm, there you go. There's the cost of everything again. Maybe, exactly. maybe for her, the cost of, um, you know, being consistent with the training was too high for the payoff and the yep. cost of not being consistent with the training was acceptable. Like she's like, oh, I'm willing to kind of put up with this, you know, this, this result because I, maybe I don't have the time or the inclination to do that, it's, those things anymore. It's like this, cause this is actually on the list. There's the next one. Again, we're in sync, bro. Expectations of the happy, free spirited dog for discipline. So we, ex- we want the, you know, that classic goofy dog that's everywhere, you know, free spirited. It's like, it's like, oh, she's free. Look at her. She's so free. Well, when the trainer looks, it's like, I don't know. She's free, but she's a bit anxious and she's like all over the shop, got no impulse control, you know, because of that, it's like, it's kind of sucks because she doesn't spend much time inside with you guys. She's like always in the yard, just chasing flies and shit. Um, you know, and but she's happy and she look got this big goofy face on her. And like that's the idea of a dog, right? The happy, free-spirited dog. But we can also have the disciplined dog who knows within a certain time, there's time and place for everything. And the time and place for being inside is this, and the time and place of being outside is that. And we can have the free-spirited dog, but a, but the but the discipline required to be able to have both and in different contexts is the we have to maybe even sacrifice an expectation like, but I want the dog that I grew up with. And that dog just lived outside. You only had memories of you playing with the dog, but that was like seven minutes of a 24 hour period. (laughs) And what was happening for the other 23 hours and 53 minutes, you know, that's where we're thinking about dogs, welfare and dogs, you know, well-being and the life with the dog and all that sort of stuff. So we want the goofy, free-spirited dog, but do you really want it? Maybe they do. Maybe people want the dog that can just be doing whatever it wants. But then we know that. So, for example, Chili got to play really, really well with another dog the other day, and they played for like 25 minutes in the park, like hard out. It was an awesome playtime. And that is true freedom because as soon as I go, hey, that's enough, we're going now. We finished it. We went, we got to go home, didn't have a, didn't finish on a bad note. Um, he got to have those experiences because he can listen to those rules. So I put all that effort in and now I get to get it back. And for me, it wasn't much of a time turnover. Like I haven't even had him for a year and I can have that. But again, I'm in the position where my dog gets to be with me all day long. So I get to practice it all day long. So I get to speed it up maybe six times most people's kind of time schedule, but how long have you had Chili now? When did you get him? October, I think I got him. Wow, so it's almost a year. Yeah, it's getting there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, eight, eight, nine months, October. something like that. I got him just when he became when he turned one, and that was on daylight savings. Okay, that- so like the long weekend. Yeah, so I can't wait. I can't wait for daylight savings. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm over Interestingly, it. what's today? The twentieth. So it's yeah. like the solstice is tomorrow or the day after. Oh, really? Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm excited. Yeah. So wow. you know, dark at friggin' whatever five o'clock. Um, but then but again, not, but not then for much longer. Yes. You know, that's the problem, right? We wish winter away quickly, but then we want summer to last long. But because we have so much more fun in summer, it goes quicker. <laughs> we have less fun I mean, we just had like the wettest summer on record. So I don't know about that, but um, it was warm at least. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, warm. What do you mean, bro? You were in Thailand while we had a bit of a cold snap. 
it was pretty freaking nice. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I took a two-week discount on winter. Totally. Which was very enjoyable. Well, the last thing I have here, real quick, because I guess it's really like there's, there's so many facets to this, and I think it's, it is pretty fascinating the deeper we go into it. But um, I got here the sacrifice of lifestyle and living situation to maintain your dog or dogs to live their best life. So lifestyle, you got to think of, and I think we were talking about this when it comes to like choosing a dog and all, and, and in that episode, what is your lifestyle? Try to match the breed and what you want from a dog because of your lifestyle and what you think a dog is and make a decision kind of off that. If you kind of screwed up and you got this dog now and you're like, oh, damn, I got a German Shepherd and I thought it was just going to be chilled out at home. Um you may need to switch up your lifestyle and your living situations. Like, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to put a fence? Like my, my friend has his dog escaping the yard way too often than it needs to be it needs to be happening. And it's going to cost a little bit of money in a rental space to be putting up proper gates and fences and all that. And that's just a sacrifice to be made unless you you want your dog running the streets. And I mean, one time... One time is one time too many, right? With the dog it's, happened like, it's happened like seven times or something. What, like, what's the breed? Um, like a big bulldog cross. How how low is the fence? Oh no, he like he chewed through the fence. Oh wow, chewed through the fence, jumped over the fence. Like it's yeah, he's getting out and he's getting success with it. So is it rescue? No, he's had him since a puppy, but he's just moved out recently and had change of lifestyle and mm. living situation. So look, we've gone through it all. We hang out enough for him to know what he has to do, and he knows what he has to do, and he'll do it. And he's been managing it the way that he that he feels that he can, but. And you can tell that he's like, oh, like there's, and again, we've done training since the dog was a puppy and we've done a lot of training. He's a really good guy, really good owner. And he's been training his dog awesome. However, there was a few things that he let slip that I saw was a problem at the beginning and failed to address them. And now they're becoming a thing. And I'm like, I told you to do that from the beginning. But anyway, for me to see that it's so obvious, isn't so obvious for everybody else. And I have to manage my expectations. I think that's important. But lifestyle living situations need to be addressed. You can't be too stubborn to be that. This is just how it is. Then you will keep getting whatever you get and you'll suffer forever. And your dog will just be confused and probably stressed because you're very upset and frustrated at your dog because you haven't managed your expectations. So maybe we can wrap this up by knowing what are you willing to sacrifice or what is, are you willing to put up a cost for something that like, you know, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze sort of thing. Mm, and, that's a good saying. Yeah. I think that's really cool. You have because, to ask yourself that question. And, and like, I mean, even just getting a dog is, is a, is a sacrifice, you know, like for sure. this was the first um, holiday we, we we've been on since we got shadow, you know, and it two weeks of boarding, like it's not cheap, you know, it adds yep. up. So it, yep. these kinds of things um, you have to think about it, but like, mm-hmm whatever that cost me to send him to, you know, to Glenn's place for two weeks. Like it, it is what it is, you know, yep. that's part of the joy. That's the cost that I pay when I go away to have shadow. Look the, the you know what I mean? Like around all the time to have a dog. That's, that's part of what I have to do now if we choose to go away on holidays. And he had a great time. I sent him to Terrigal. They got the pool up there and everything. So no, at pet resorts, give him a plug. Yeah. Look, I think, as I said, like, you know, all those other things, like my client the other day, kind of it, like, it wasn't really annoying because I knew how they were when I saw them and I had, we did puppy training and they had one session left over and the dog's now a year old. So 
we haven't seen each other for a very long time. And it's like dogs inside chewing, sh- chewing shirts and suits and this and that and whatever, whatever. And it's like, you know, we talk about the remedy and what to do and, and then dad rocks up and then dad's has one thing and mom has another way and, blah, and it's all happening. And it's like, Oh, what do you mean? You're going to like try to sell me another thing. And it's like, Oh, he, like this is a collar and we had him on a harness and things are a bit different, but if you don't want the collar, that's fine. We can work with the harness. I can show you what that is. I, if it was my dog, I'd be doing this, but let's just work with that since that's where you're willing to sacrifice not much. Um, so we work within what you can sacrifice. And then we did it and we still got results, you know, just showed them how to do, a, you know, manipulate the harness and, you know, just know when to reward and just a couple of basic stuff because I knew that they weren't going to do much. But then we say, oh, but look at your dogs, they're awesome. And then they're like, make him do that. And, it, and that's where it all comes down to this. Well, what are you willing to put up? Because I can only care as much as you care. And I can give you the real answers or I can give you the answers that at least I can give you a couple of pieces of the puzzle. And then maybe I'll see you in five weeks. And we're like, hey, we want to continue doing those things. I'm like, awesome. Now I know what you're willing to put up. We can do more. Do you know what I mean? So if you're a trainer, think of it from that perspective as well, because I think that's handy. And that's all I want to say about what it costs to get what you want. Short and sweet. I think it was good. Good place to finish it. We don't always have to do these one hour one hour well, episodes. It is what it is. You know, we can just keep rambling on just to kind of fill up the time, but we're just getting messages across and we're just trying to um, empower you and educate you and share our perspective. I guess. I think like 30, important. 35 minutes is good. It's like probably the length of someone's commute maybe. So. Well, I know some people the the, the hardcore fans probably want that extra half hour. <laughs> You're just going to have to listen to it. We'll wait for the next episode to come out. <laughs> I'm the guy that listens to the four, four. I listen to a, um, I listened to one actually when we had Pat's seminar, it was like there and back over two or three days. I listened to like a four and a half hour podcast. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was pretty long, but it was good. It was worth it. Yeah, totally. Well, at least you had little gaps between so you can digest what was it educational. Oh, yeah, it was it one hit. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I never listened to even long episodes like that, like a Joe Rogan or whatever, like never in one hit. No, no way. All right, guys, we've got to love you and leave you for the for this week, and we'll see you next week. And sorry that we didn't get out last week, but my son's birthday, I got sick, Luke was away, and I thought we skipped a week, and I felt bad because I really wanted to get something out there, but I think this is a great episode to make up for it. So much love to you. schedule. That's it, yeah. Before we go as well, um, you know, we, we don't ask for much. Um, we don't run ads or anything like that. So it'd be cool if each of you who's listening, if you got value from this, like just share it with one person. Please. Um, I don't think that's much to ask. And we really appreciate you guys listening to this show and it, it grows by people sharing it. Like that's how podcasts grow. So if you listen to this and you got something out of it and you have someone in mind um, who could, you feel they could get the similar value from, from it, please, by all means, share it on social media or just send them the link. Would very, very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Ladies. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training my website 
npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.